You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. I am your host, Ben Wolf, as always. And I am, I'm very pleased to talk about what I think is a very interesting and, and very underdeveloped topic, very not talked about enough. I think this is you know, a really interesting subject. Uh, and that's why more senior executives are going fractional, going on their own and going fractional. I think that's, uh, I think it's, it's key for the business owners, which are you guys in this target market. Obviously, there's a lot of other trusted advisors and people who listen to and watch this podcast. But um, I think that for business owners, like to understand the dynamics in this industry of the fractional leaders that are becoming available to you, where again, you can get super experienced people that would cost you an arm and a leg if you had to hire them full time for a fraction of the cost for a lower price point with a lot of experience because they're going fractional. And why is that happening? Why is that an increasing trend? Uh, and my video just stopped. Apologize for that, for those of you on video. Um, I probably shouldn't have even said that out loud for those on audio. Either way, why senior executives are going fractional? I encourage everybody to subscribe, leave a review, uh, wherever it is that you're listening to or watching this podcast. And if it's YouTube, make sure to click the little bell and, and, you know, and click all updates. And, uh, and subscribe to this wherever you're listening to it. Please do leave a review. It makes it more accessible, the knowledge, the information that we're sharing here with more people. So go ahead and do it. Maybe pause this, subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it happens to be that you're listening to this on YouTube and uh, leave a review. And with that, I want to get into introducing our guest today. Uh, he is a CFO advisor at Vertex CEO, CFO, excuse me, providing fractional CFO services to middle market and well-funded startup companies. Uh, he has served as the head of finance at numerous organizations over a 25 year financial leadership career. You can find out more about uh, the company, uh, about, about uh, our guest today and the company he's with at vertexcfo.com. That's V-E-R-T-E-X, cfo.com, vertexceo.com. And with that, I give you Kevin McMahon. Welcome, Kevin. Welcome, Ben. Uh, great. Thanks for the intro. Um, yeah, I think you said Vertex CEO. I guess we all aspire. Did to I be say CEO. that? I said that again? Vertex I, I think, CFO. Yeah. Oh you my You said gosh. it once. It, it's okay. Maybe it's an expansion area for I us. Did. Who knows, yeah. right? But that's it, great. It, it could be. Could make I'll, sure I'll to, make sure to, yeah, reserve that domain. Make sure to do that. Yeah, exactly. I'll grab it right now. <laughs> <laughs> so again, sorry, vertexcfo.com. Uh, Kevin McMahon, so welcome. And if I could ask you, Kevin, to to get into what I ask really all the guests to, to to tell us a little bit of your story, just a quick two-minute history that gives us a picture of how you got to be in the position to speaking about what we're talking about today. Okay, yeah, sure. And I'll, I'll try and be brief, as brief as I can. So my background, I grew up in, in the UK, you probably can guess by my accent. Uh, very working class background, didn't really have any role models in, in the CFO or, or, or just in, in, in professional work in general. The one I did have said to me, well, all the companies I know are hiring finance people like crazy. So, so it's a great entree to get into the business world in general. So I was always fairly numerate and I'd followed that through college degree. And then sure enough, I landed my first job in London was, wow, okay, so you got an accounting finance background. That's great. Yeah, we, I'm sure we can find an opportunity for you. So um, I took to it like a duck to water. And I, I, I've always been inquisitive. I've always had an actual desire to learn. And so I, I knew that this would be a, a great opportunity for me because 
every company has finance. Mm-hmm. And so I never knew which industry I wanted to work in. And, and so given, given that, you know, there was such a widespread of opportunities, I've been able to work in manufacturing, retail, wholesale, my own business, et cetera, et cetera, software, internet, SaaS. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, so it sated my curiosity, I guess. So it, it was that initial, okay, well, I don't know what I want to do, but in, in broad lanes, I, I just want to keep on learning. And, and my, you know, like I said, I, I had a bias towards numeracy. And, and so this, this tended to feed it. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And, you know, and, and so I guess that's a good, that's a good way of segueing into the next question I want to talk about, which is again, why are more fractional executives going fractional? Why are more executives, high level leadership people going fractional, going out on their own, taking that risk of mm-hmm. having to find clients and going on their own and doing that. And I think that, I think that you have a really, really interesting story. Um, so if you could, if you could tell us a little bit about like what your experience has been uh, in the dynamics that, that happen with successful executives in these middle market, well-funded companies, what's mm-hmm. the reality like for them? What's the situation for them? I think this will be very informative for business owners and a lot of executives obviously, or, or, or people who are already fractional are going to see themselves in this, but like, tell us about your story. What's been your experience in these kind of companies? So in, in terms of working in the corporate world, in, in, in general? Yeah, in the full-time, um, right, right. Before right, you went fractional, like what, what was okay. it like? What were your experiences that right. kind of got you to this point? Okay, got it. So, so um, I, I found after probably the second time that um, my position had been eliminated, that a, a theme was starting to build. Mm. And, and this theme was change is inevitable, okay? Businesses change or die. And as part of that change, you're acquired or you're sold off or, or you, you you branch out as, as your own separate entity. And and typically, and certainly the, the first couple of occasions, we, we, the company I was working for at the time, was acquired by a third party, just normal course of business. And most of the time, certainly almost every time for me, what happened was uh, the, the acquiring company would come in and have a different view of how they wanted finance to be run. They, um, they would typically have their own people. And because like I said, finance is such a ubiquitous, you know, uh, genre, I guess, everybody's got their, their own flavor. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, so being part of a leadership team in the company that was acquired, certainly I, I feel like you're the guy who's always got the most to prove. An acquiring company is not going to come in and change the sales leadership because that's in, that's nascent to the business. The operations leadership are, are also nascent to the business. But the finance guy is almost like seen as the plug and play. Huh. And and so um, then that's not to denigrate finance people. But like I said, most of the time, companies who are acquiring, they, they want their guy. They, they want to know, mm-hmm. you know, to, to make sure that they understand that the P&L very, very closely, know where the bodies are buried, if you like. Uh, sometimes the finance person is seen as uh, very strongly representative of the former culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I was very involved in the growth strategies that we had at a couple of companies. I'll give you an example. Yeah. We, we were very successful. The business I was in, very successful. We grew from 70 to 120 million bucks in four or five years. Wow. A lot of that growth was was organic. 
and and through um, identifying adjacent markets in uh -huh. the, in the, the domestic area. But we also, and, and a lot of this was down to myself and one other guy, we identified international opportunities to grow. And, and so we, we rolled out a plan where we've put that business in six more markets in Canada, US, Canada, uh, France, Germany, UK, Australia, <clears throat> and Japan. So the new entity or the new acquirer comes in, private equity group, and the first thing they say to me is, why are you running a business with, with all these entities losing money? And my point was, well, because this is the plan, okay? We started these businesses as a three-year path to being break-even, after which these businesses will also be as profitable as, as the U.S. one at 30-40% margin. And I'm sure they understood that, but because I was the bearer of the, well, we, we have to invest in these. If we don't invest in, in these new markets, then we're not going to grow. They, they saw me as, you know, holding on to, uh, to, to the history and, and not being ready to, to make a tough decision to cut these businesses. And my point was, guys, we can cut them tomorrow if we want and put 50 people out of work and add 10 million to the bottom line. But what about five years time? If the US market goes soft, we're gonna be reliant on the French market and the Japanese and the UK, et cetera. So my time horizon right, was, which is I guess- Why it was done to begin with. Right, and, and our parent company at the time thought it was a great idea and backed us. So, so I think I was seen then as, if you like, the holdout mm -hmm. or the, the guy who was still waving the, the flag for the old strategy, which I thought had been pretty successful. But I guess that created a, a problem. These guys were, you know, they, they had a specific goal, which was come in, like all private, like a lot of private equity companies do, mm -hmm. come in and, and make some changes and if you like flip this thing, which they did, they flipped it within two years. By which time, you know, they'd, um, <laughs> I, I stepped aside at that point. Right, and they, did, so, they so, didn't have an interest in the, in the long-term strategy because <laughs> that was not their strategy. Well, exactly. There's completely different. You're, you're right. There's what's all about come in, make some quick changes and, you know, walk away with as quickly as possible with as much as possible. And who can deny them? I mean, these guys are, you know, making a lot more money than, than certainly I would ever make. Right. So, so that was, that, that was definitely one example. Uh -huh. um, <clears throat> yeah, other examples, I would say. Um, were there ones that were not a, an acquisition scenario? Um, the, the f no, I mean. Oh, it's usually, usually that's what, usually that's what you see. And you, it's, you're, you're just saying it's like a day-to-day -day yeah. occurrence, but it's right. usually an acquisition scenario when you kind of, you know, it's also like a high price tag position, right? Anybody on the leadership team is is one of the higher price tag positions, more overhead, and right, definitely, definitely the the acquisition. I'd say it, it's a clear theme, and right. like the three of the uh -huh. three of the changes I've done have, have been due to that. Wow. In quite a few cases, I would say, outside of my experience, um, where you've got a, a CFO in place in a division, uh, the division might have a lot a lot of wide ranging responsibilities. If you're absorbed into a bigger entity, some of the responsibilities of that CFO uh, might, might go away and, and be functionalized. Let's say if a smaller business has some legal work to do, that might fall under the finance guy. Some operations work might fall under the mm -hmm. finance guy. Once you're in a bigger environment, a larger There's company a might have specialists. Or, yeah. Exactly. And, and so quite a few cases, and I've done this myself. So it's, it's, you know, it, it's almost like the first place you go to 
and I, I say this tongue in cheek, first place you go to to find some savings on a new acquisition is how can I replace the senior finance guy and have everybody else step up a little bit mm-hmm. and maybe take on, have the, the new headquarters take on a slightly different role. And bingo, right. I've saved the full-time CFO cost. That, that's, you know, it's a feather in the cap kind of thing. So right. it, it's, definitely an op- it's definitely something that happens a lot. Um, like I said, in three of mine, it's been really a case of change of ownership. In the fourth one, it was more a change of direction, a change of uh, leadership and a reorganization of um, divisions within a very large company. And at, at that point, uh, you know, I, I was looking beyond already. I was saying, guys, I, I don't see that there's a role for me going forward. I was fairly articulate, fairly verbose saying, you know, I, could you guys uh, see a way to making me a decent offer and decent package and I'll go off and do the next thing. The next thing I already knew was I wanted to be a fractional. So we talked about this for a little while and, you know, as if by magic one day, you know, it, it happened and, and they gave me a, a you know, a severance and I was, uh, I was absolutely delighted. <laughs> right. You had the runway to, uh, to do this. I guess it's mm-hmm. almost like, like, wow, why would someone want to work? I mean, you work all the way, right. You work all the way up the ladder, you know, to, to, you know, to, to learn the business, to accomplish things mm-hmm. for businesses, for their owners. And then, yeah. you know, and then in the end game in so many of these scenarios is to be acquired, you know, to be valuable enough and to be acquired mm-hmm. And then, right. you know, and then you end up losing your place and have to go on to the next one or whatever. And it's just, you know, it's, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, you know, it's a little like, I don't know, like not like not an ideal scenario to set up if you want to incentivize people to want to get to the top of leadership when it comes to finance. Unless the, unless the fractional leadership is that's the pinnacle, like we're there. Well, I wouldn't you know? say that. <laughs> uh, so you're working up to that. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think you, a lot of people, a lot of industries, you know, you, you get to a certain stage, a certain age, and, um, you know, you find that you, you're only using 30 or 40% of what you, of what you, what you know, maybe mm-hmm. using that all day long. So, so it's, it's a full-time gig per se, but man, you know, it'd be great if I could get involved in raising money again. And, and yeah, I'm in a corporate role and there's, there's no such thing, right? It, it's it's very much a, a running repeating right. type of business. We we do budgets in this month, and we, you know, we we have a very strict, you know, month end is day two, and, and month five, month end is day two, and and you know, presentation is day five, and whatever it might be. Right. It's a very very strict strict um, timetable, and right. and so you you know, boring. Well, it it's. I guess if you've got a an, an background or an enthusiasm to, just to learn new businesses, then yeah, after a while it's okay. So how much more did I actually learn this year versus last year versus when you know eight years ago I did a startup business and my God I learned so much, way too much, way too fast, and and you, know, you look back on those days fond memories, comparing to just taking over another year in a corporate enterprise, and and again right. you know these, these guys they're looking at the bigger picture, which is I've got these younger, talented people. It's almost like I, I've, I've got to make sure that I create room and headroom for people to continue to grow in the organization. Mm-hmm. And the people 25 and 30 and 35 years old are growing 
at probably a much faster rate than than a corporation can grow to give them more and more opportunities. So mm -hmm. it's like a natural, you know, you get to 40 plus and if you haven't reached a certain stage, you know, you've kind of moved to the side a little bit because you got to make room for someone who you used to teach who's now going to be your boss. Right. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I, I never stayed at one company for more than, I think probably three or four years in the same uh -huh. role. Uh -huh. And when I did stay longer, I had multiple promotions, which was great. But again, you know, it, it becomes a pattern. And, and that, that's the thing that I, I noticed, you know, I'm, it happened once, fine, happened twice. Wow, that's similar. Third time, well, I didn't think that was going to happen again. And then the fourth time, okay, you know what, guys, I'm done. <laughs> How many right. times I go around, do I need to go on this to get the message, okay? Uh, and, and so that, that's another big, a big reason for the appeal of, of working in a fractional uh, environment. Right. Well, it definitely is apparent, you know, kind of what, the, what led to the evolution of, of going in that direction. And how did you end up choosing to join the, the, the Vertex CFO team? Also, I don't know, did, it, did they work? Does everyone work through Vertex CFO or is it, you know, kind of like a shared marketing and everybody kind of works independently through their own companies or, right. or how did right. you end up there and how does it work? Okay. So, so um, a colleague at my last company, he was actually CFO, sorry, he was CEO. Now I'm confusing CFO and CEO. Thank you. So sorry, for, the, sorry for doing that to you. <laughs> I'll keep reminding you. So yeah, he, he was their CFO, CEO. Oh my God, I need to start again. <laughs> and um, he had a connection to another company that he was involved with, uh, to Vertex. And so when I explained I was leaving, he, you know, we talked about next options, next steps. I'd heard of uh, the fractional space. I knew there were a lot of companies in that space, a lot of competitors. And because my colleague knew the, the principle of Vertex CFO on a personal level, he, he sought out an introduction. Uh, the principal and I met and we hit it, on, hit it off pretty well. And um, you know, his point was he, he wanted to, to build the business. He'd done this for probably six or seven years. Um, having come out of a corporate environment like me mm. and, and found so much more reward, just personal reward in helping companies to, you know, to, to ad address issues, fix problems, identify growth, maybe even go to, to the stage of, you know, selling the business and then working with the, you know, the, the, uh, the new entity as well as potentially working with the guy that you helped to sell the business. So he, he'd grown the business from just himself in 2014, he had a team of, I think, six people. So mm -hmm. controllers and staff accountants as well. Okay. And uh, it, it was, I felt like it was a good fit from a personality perspective. And and, uh, and and so I moved forward and that was last year. So I'm, I'm definitely not a veteran. I've been doing this for 12 months. Mm -hmm. um, how it works, each of us are, <clears throat> are independent. So, so I'm a, a 1099 employee basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and we track our time, we bill our hours back to Vertex uh, on a monthly basis. <clears throat> Vertex then bills those specific clients and uh, you know, we're rewarded, we're paid, we're paid that way. So um, it, it's, I think, fairly standard. But there's no salary element. It literally is you know, whatever you bill uh, and the client pays. So, um, so, so that's really how it works. There's an element also of biz dev so if i were to find uh, specific prospects mm -hmm. which we turn into uh, potential clients of actual clients of vertex then whether i'm the cfo going forward of those companies or not 
um, I would get, you know, like a residual uh, commission. So kind of a finder's fee. So mm -hmm. that encourages me to go out and, and do my own, you know, specific marketing, knowing that either I'll have an ongoing gig with them, or if, if it's one of my colleagues that, that ends up being their CFO, um, I have some financial interest. Um, right. Vertex, Vertex CFO has acquired a lot of its clients through, um, I, I guess, like most companies do, I think, combination of um, biz dev, um, internet um, marketing, and, right. and, and just networking events. I mean, we, we put out, you know, posts to uh, through LinkedIn probably about every every day or every two days, um, and we've got a good following there. Mm -hmm. Vertex CFO is also a sponsor for Colorado companies to watch, okay. um, <clears throat> which is an organization that helps to foster new companies. They have awards and, and they, they share resources across those companies. And the principal Brian and myself have been to a number of these um, companies who are very small, maybe four, five, six people, but mm -hmm. growing really quickly. And the role that Vertex CFO has there is to almost ju just be a mentor to these companies, not to say, hey, we want to provide you financial services. These guys are too small to need a CFO, but they may need to know to get a hold of a good patent lawyer or to get a hold of um, a, a strong IT person. So, so we're able to help, you know, through the network that we have within Colorado companies to watch, you know, to, to point them in the right direction right. to get those resources. <clears throat> and obviously the, the long-term hope is that th those companies will, will grow and develop and get to a point where, you know, they're calling you to say, Hey, you, you guys worked for us. It was a great relationship. You're our, our mentor. And then now we're at a point where we need some, you know, some financial help. Right. Right. No, that's really interesting. And, and um, so I get a better picture of how that works. I, I guess I also want to ask you about something that, that we've talked about before, which is that you said actually that like around 80% of your clients that you're working with as fractional CFO are mm -hmm. in like massive hiring mode and in, in growth mode. And I guess, number one, why, why is that? I guess, you know, coronavirus and obviously lockdown, you know, not everybody's doing well. So just curious if you see common denominators or just a coincidence, but like what's going on with them? And uh, well, that's uh, the first question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if I had a hundred clients, I, I'd say, well, yeah, it's a real, it's a real stark statistic, but I, I don't have a hundred. I have less yeah. than 10. And so <laughs> I, I, I happen to think it, it's just, um, almost a coincidence of circumstance. Right. Um, Just broke down that way. Yeah, I mean, specifically, um, <clears throat> a couple of them are in very high growth um, scientific testing businesses. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're associated companies. And I mean, they've grown, they, they tripled in size 2018 to 2019 when I joined them. And last year when I joined, well, yeah, last year, 19 was I think triple 2018 this year the plan is is to basically grow another 50 percent wow. and so um the business the business says we're both growing at, at phenomenal rates anyway and so what's happened this year is that growth has scaled back somewhat from you know stupid numbers to more reasonable 10 15 percent numbers and uh -huh. so in, in, in their particular case, so both those companies, we were hiring 10 to 15 people with, with the plan. And very quickly when the, the virus hit, it was a case of, well, 
we have no idea how long, how deep, how far this is gonna go. What the heck do we do about hiring? And I said, well, the first thing we do is we stop all new hiring. And you know, we've taken a, a step back, so don't continue to add, because they build up anyway, in anticipation of growing significantly this year. So we had a lot of, um, I guess we, we had a lot of capacity that there was, you know, questionable whether we'd be able to use it or not. Mm -hmm. So since then, they, they've reorganized a little bit. And um, in their particular case, they, they found that there are some definite growth areas, some geographic growth areas that they hadn't tapped before. And so they've been able to, I wouldn't say get back on the growth bandwagon, but definitely this year, their revenue will exceed last year, which, which at the beginning of the year was, well, yeah, I could fall out of bed and do better than last year because <laughs> I'm on this huge trajectory. And so by, by April, our, forecast, our first forecast, reforecast in April, said, guys, best case will be flat. And, mm -hmm. and so that's when we had, guys, put the brakes on. Let, let's, you know, let, let's, if we can at all costs, avoid any, any severances because that creates a whole new set of challenges. So... Mm -hmm. You know, and let's not do pay cuts if we don't need to. So we're able to avoid both of those. But the the cost, if you that, if you like, the cost of that was that we're not going to continue to hire and then build, you know, leave right. ourselves a hole. So, so they've come out of that a little bit, and they're growing again. And so um, they're probably going to add maybe five or eight percent to their workforce this year, which is you know nothing like what we planned, but right. still. But for, but for those who are hiring like, like them mm -hmm. and, like, and like others, right. mm -hmm. what, what else does the role, you know, again, so people might be seeing themselves in this and what right. role their CFO or if the mm -hmm. fractional CFO, if they want to bring one on, what role does the CFO play in that to make sure that that's done right and not counterproductively? Right. So, so, so the first thing in a growing business like that, it, a lot of it is about metrics it's okay so so what are the triggers to say we want to add two more lab techs well mm -hmm. it's a certain number of tests per month in terms of the metrics if we get above that number then you know we're going to be over time and we can cope maybe for a month but then we got to be adding people so, so definitely a focus on metrics uh i would say we we also bring to the table just a lot of analytical um you know trend information and, and digging down in into the guts of the business difficult when you're only there you know five six hours a week or whatever it might be but again because I, i've got broad experience in different companies and and being with this company now for a year it, it doesn't take a long time you set the reports up and and you're able to to extract that information pretty quickly so it's definitely a lot of mm -hmm. metrics analysis a lot of looking at the market i mean where do we see growth and what does that growth look like? And, and is it the same kind of business that we've seen up to now, or is it heavier? Is it more more resource intensive? Right. So, so that's definitely a piece. On the back end, I would say um, one of the things I've been able to do with with a couple of my clients is to um, locate a third party recruiter. So um, this is actually somebody I used to work with in a previous company, and, and this person has been working as an independent recruiter for years and years. And the great thing is a lot of recruiters are, are taking, you know, success fees and, yeah. and whatever percent of, of summer salary that this, this person I know uh, works basically on a, a standard rate. So standard like hour hourly. rate. Yeah. Which, you know, it's like as Vertex does as well. So um, 
I've, I've been able to introduce this person to three of my clients and, and they are working with this, with this person right now and they, they see it's a great value add. It's kind of a under the table almost, you know, it, it's not something they expected to get from their, you know, their CFO company and just right. the fact that we've got connections and, and tax people as well and, you know, various uh, IT resources. So that's definitely it's like a, a hidden benefit, I guess. Right. And I think all, all three of us at Vertex, the CFOs, all three of us have been in the same geographic market for 15 to 20 years at least. And so that, that's great from the perspective of, well, okay, so you need a patent attorney. Well, I know someone, or if I don't, I know someone who will know someone. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely, a, like I said, a, a, it's the sauce on top. And if you can give it an idea of the scale of the clients that you typically work with, what's the sweet spot <laughs> in terms of either people or revenue? Um, I would say probably 25 to 100 employees. The biggest okay. one I have has got 75 employees. Smallest I have is actually 15, 15 uh-huh. or 16. So 25 to okay. 100. Um, and in terms of revenue, I'd say um, anywhere from 5 to 50 million in revenues. Right. But a lot of that depends um, – like one client of mine is 30, $33 million in revenue. Uh-huh. And when we met them, uh, my colleague said, oh boy, we're only going to be able to support these guys for a few months because they're on such a growth trajectory um, that they'll be too big for us and they'll basically need their full-time CFO. Right. The, the funny thing was, I was familiar with the industry. Having at my previous company, we started a similar business and there was another division within that company that was exactly the same model. Uh And and it's one where I'm not saying your revenue is overstated, but it's kind of like a gross revenue to net revenue. So the gross revenue is um, basically a lot higher than you'd expect for a company of 50 or 60 people that are doing 30 million bucks in revenue. I've been been in in an industry like that also. Right. Okay. No. So, so really it's about net revenue. So, so when I said to my colleague, yeah, but I, I think we're good. I, I see the net revenues around about, I don't know, 11 or 12 million, which, you know, the margins were exactly the same as what I seen before. I said, hopefully we'll be with them for a long time. And sure enough, 12 months later, they're, they're another one that's growing and doing pretty well. Um, but again, they're, they're, they're not, they're not at 200 million. Uh, so right, in terms right. of nets, they're, they're, they're going to do probably, I'd say, 10, 12% more than this year. But again, another company that's, they're looking to grow. They, they see a sweet spot. They say, wow, if we, we're signing new clients in this environment, wait until we get back to, you know, quote unquote yeah, normal. Closer so least, so yeah. they're, they're, I wouldn't say they're rolling the dice, but, but they're very bullish about, the, about future opportunity, which, which is great. Right. Yeah, no, that's great. Look, and I appreciate everything you're able to share today. I mean, I think giving people a lot more of a picture of, uh, of what's going on and the uh, I guess the, the the limitations on the on the in-house career opportunities sometimes in the in the you know in the executive leadership level and mm-hmm. why people are you know why a lot of people and maybe more and more people especially as financial pressures increase uh, are are going are, go, are going fractional as they call it like Breaking Bad you know going fractional and uh, and so so I think that's that's really really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives people a better understanding and the role in hiring, you know, which I greatly appreciate. And so thank you so much for coming on. Okay. No problem. Happy to be here.
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I appreciate it. Thank you. And I will see everybody else on the other side as well. Have a good one. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.